start. Sooners of Oklahoma at 12-0 and still looking for respect nationwide. What is up, Sooner Nation? Uh, Damien said something the other day. I thought I'd try that one on for size. We've got a special, special episode here today. We are going to be getting heavy into the recruiting. July has been a monster month for the University of Oklahoma football team, Brent Venables, and the staff. Man, Damien, what have been your thoughts about how this July has gone for OU? You know what? Patience pays off. I know a lot of people were uh, going crazy earlier because obviously the old regime, Lincoln, Lincoln, those guys, they would they would really shoot to get the four and five stars and the top players really early up to and before the barbecue. And uh, I really like the idea of, of BV Coach Brent saying, hey, man, we got a plan. You know, like well, this is how we're going to do it. We're not going to throw a bunch of. Mercedes and Lambos and Ferraris, and we're not going to glitz and glam. We're going to give people a real picture of our program. We're going to we're going to show them attributes that we can provide. We're going to show them we're a true blue blood, and then we're going to tell people, "Hey, man, don't get excited and say yes just because everything looks cute and pretty and 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 shiny. Go take visits. Go visit other schools." Go see apples to apples if we can compete and compare because I have faith in our brand. And I'd say the last four months, a lot of people had their, you know, they had their feelings on their sleeve and they were emotional and this and that. July is, we're in what, the 13th of July? We got 18 more days. And as as the young kids like to say, no cap, they cooking. Like the recruiting is yep. cooking. We got some, we got some. You know, we said it last week, but we got ball players. Like these are guys when you watch film, it translates. Like, ah, it makes sense. You see a kid who on the field is not only a difference maker, they're aggressive. These are guys who are play with a certain edge that you can see Coach BV is attracting. So obviously the jury's still out in the sense of between now and December, seeing exactly how the class will will end up. But when I see the kids and the caliber of kid that we are uh, getting these verbal commitments from, you can't help but be excited. These guys look good. They play good. Um, and listen, they're, oh, they're all these three stars. I guarantee you when they're when the re-evals coming and the season starts and, and uh, all these recruiting services update their respective players, you're going to see a lot of these players fly up the rankings because they've got good good talent. You know, that's something that uh, they say about Alabama. It's like the the common thing people say is like, oh, he got recruited to Alabama. He got the that five-star bump or that extra star for getting that offer. That may be true, but it also may be true that Alabama is just good at evaluating, right? That they're good at identifying a guy at 15, 16, 17, right? A guy who maybe is a three-star at that time, and then he turns out to be a four- and five-star. So so I got to ask you, and maybe this will you know, hopefully temper, maybe not temper, the, the Sooner fans' thoughts on this. I want to take you back, 18-year-old Damien, and, and I say to you, I'm Coach Brent Venables and p- position coach, when you make your commitment here, I don't want you to visit anywhere else when you're committed i want you to be committed to ou be 100 
what would be your feelings on that situation? So I'm a little biased, Barry, because remember, I came out in a day and age where you really didn't get recruited until your senior year. You you know, I did the camp circuit my junior year after or the summer after my junior year. And that's when I really blew up. I ran fast. I jumped high and I had really good film. My, my junior year team were really good, but I didn't really get the like there weren't a bunch of, oh, we're going to take unofficial visits as sophomores and potentially you know, commit and unofficial visits as juniors and, and maybe we commit. I didn't, that wasn't my experience. And my father, you know, my father is a man's man. He's an alpha male. He's just one of those guys where he like, your word is bond. And so don't make a decision until you're sure. And for me, you know, I was an academic kid. So Stanford, uh, West Point, I hate to say it, but Texas, uh, USC. <laughs> I actually liked Texas a lot as a kid. True story. I, I didn't know much about the OU Texas rivalry. The uh, Ricky Williams and Sean. I forgot the, the run. They had, they had a T Martin, Ricky Williams. Uh, anyway, whatever. I don't know. But uh, not T Martin. They had a, but anyway, they had a they had a, they had a Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. yeah T Martin's Tennessee. They had a court. I forgot the quarterback's name was. Whatever. Who cares? Who cares? Sean Williams. I, anyway, um, the point is, I wasn't committing until I was committed. Like. You know, my generation, it wasn't a it, it became a thing, I'd say, Barry, seven, eight years ago to commit to kind of like, ooh, hold your space. Commitments yeah. used to it used to be even just 10, 12 years ago, turning someone into commitment was a big deal. Now it's kind of whole humps. Um, maybe even I would say expected, maybe. Hey, you know, if they ran the numbers, I'd bet like each kid probably commits closer to 1.3 or 1.26 and they do less than 1.25. You know what I'm saying? Like wow, I yeah, bet yeah. I'd, I'd be willing to bet if that number was thrown around, a lot of kids commit and then decommit and then recommit someplace else. And, and you know, what's crazy is we complain, but how many kids do we get who were committed to a, you know, an Iowa or, or committed to a Michigan state or committed to a, you know what I mean? A mid-level sec squad. And then the OU offer comes and we take it. I want to. I want to. I want to address too, real quick before I pass it back to you. What you said, and I and I think you're 100 right because I I want to do the other side of the coin. Alabama is good at evaluations, which is why uh, a lot of recruiting services, right? They 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 pay attention to when Al, uh, you know, when Bama, um, you know, they start to recruit somebody or or they offer someone. Well, the the, the inverse is true too, right? Texas, on the other hand, how is it? that they have all these high caliber, four star, five star, and yet every year they stink. And so when we talk about the Alabama bump, um, I think that has a lot more to do with evaluations versus a Texas bump, which is, I think, trying to feed a, a fandom that's a, a really huge recruiting pool of people that want to see their team win. And they're trying to appease their fans because the, the numbers just don't weigh out. You've got all these huge top state players, national players, five stars, blue chips. I don't even they have the, I don't even know if the word blue chip is a thing anymore. But year in and year out, Texas wins the offseason, right? So you know where I'm headed with this. Yeah. I'm headed to Arch Manning. Here we are, we have a kid. I don't know like I think we talked about this once earlier, but like I watched him play and it wasn't any the, the most impressive thing about him is when he turned around his last name said Manning. He's literally playing against 55 200 and six pound DNs. He's literally playing against kids who 99.9% of them will never play college football. He doesn't do any of the circuits. He's not running a four, five, four, three, 40. He's not jumping out of the gym. 
you know, the kid's got some talent. He's got some measurables. But again, like you got to ask yourself, like how much of his recruitment and his cachet is based on legacy and last name versus him actually, again, Jackson Arnold. Yeah, That kid played 6A football against some of the best talent in America. That kid went to all the camps. He went to the Elite 11. He won MVP. He's got the measurables in today's age. He's not a 6'4", 240, but you don't want a 6'4", 240-pound quarterback. You want a 6'1", athlete who can be the person who puts on the show. And and by the way, I'm not saying this to make an argument for one or the other. I I if you if if uh, you go back and listen to what my thoughts were months ago, I said I like Jackson Arnold when he wasn't even a big time recruit nationally. I just liked the kid, and I obviously I, I'm 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 dialed in on Dallas, um, North Texas college football, and I heard about the kid and I watched him. I said, dude, this kid plays the game like bake, like he plays like a stud. So when you're talking about a a bump or evals, you know, there has to be something said about how Bama evals guys. And by the way, um, Saban put out a, an article a couple of years back and he basically said, look, we have a framework. Like we don't recruit running backs smaller than this. We don't recruit backers, not this way and lower. Like he has a schematic that he, that he 99% of the time sticks to clearly it's working, but on the, on the, on the, on the other side of the sword, on the other end of the sword, like I'm looking at Texas and I'm like, what the hey is going on? Like y'all guys so-called you guys win national championships every February, every December. And I'm talking about obviously signing day. I'm not talking yeah. about, <laughs> I'm not talking about any type of real championships yep. yet. Last, what, what were they seven and five last year? Like, I feel like they were like seven and what, what was their record last they year? Might, oh. let's, let's, ooh, let's look real quick. Let's look. It was actually quick. the opposite. They were five and seven. Yeah. They, and they, last year they lost to Kansas. <laughs> Cause listen, and then their fans <laughs> are talking about OUs on the like. How dare you even speak about our program? And you lost to Kansas and didn't make five hundred. I, I, I and, and by the way, they beat us in the offseason national championship last season too. Yep. At the end of the year, they got all these recruits, and then all these recruits because they committed to Texas. All of a sudden, their rankings flew through the roof. And and what happened in October? And what happened in November when they played Kansas? Yeah, they're obviously missing on the evaluation piece, absolutely, um, and then also just the culture piece. Like those guys aren't four and five star because they're awful, but you're getting in there, and if that culture is not right, and if that culture is so deep seated, if you don't have a good environment that breeds and trains talent and creates the um, that has a model for building success you won't be successful. And I think it's interesting that uh, Venables coming from Clemson, uh, I know the argument is, well, Clemson was getting four and five star guys. When he first got there, they were not, especially on defense. There was a lot of development that went on, but they did know what they wanted. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about some of the recent commitments uh, of Mackie. First one, Offensive line-wise, I know OU has had some struggles the past two or three years with holding on to some of these, you know, big-time offensive line commitments. There was the guy who went to A&M, um, who, you know, there was a lot of lot of fire, or at least a lot of smoke that he would possibly commit to Oklahoma. They bring in 
Caden Green, also want to give credit to you, also bring in, in Logan Howland. But but first, I want to ask about Caden Green um, with his skill set and also his, his obviously his size, his weight, his height, um, his length. The guy is just, I mean, you look at him and you're like, that's an, an NFL offensive lineman. He's just got to get the polish, build the body. What are your thoughts on him and just what Biedenboe's doing overall on the offensive line? Yeah, he's been under a little bit of fire, and I'm speaking about Beatenbow. And salute to him for for getting this kid. Um, listen, he he's everything you're asking for in a, in a lineman. I, I didn't know this at the time, but after he got recruited, one of my old teammates, his name is Jamar Mosey. He's a ball coach in 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 Kansas City, in Missouri, and so he's his coach. So I I uh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah 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 yeah. I'm pretty sure it, it's Caden Green. It is. And so to see this kid and, and watch his film, and listen, his tools, man, his hands are mitts. He's got really long arms. Um, his feet are active. I wouldn't say his feet are, 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 are um, like amazing. He doesn't have feet per se uh, that are going to be like, all, he's already like made it and he's going to be a true freshman, but he's got a base he he's got live feet, quick feet. He's light on his feet, which is really, really important for a lineman. Um, and here's something that I don't, I, I don't know if most, a lot of people know. I'm, I'm talking to Jamar Mosey, who's a teammate of mine, who is also Schmitty built and understands Schmitty in offseason. And so Caden is very aware of what he's going to be getting himself into as it relates to strength and conditioning. In fact, he's excited. In fact, on his visit, he wanted to witness um, a Schmitty workout. And, and and that's the kind of, that's what I mean. Like that's a football player Yeah, because I gotta be honest too. I gotta be honest with you. A lot of kids want, you know, when I used to host athletes, when I was a, a player, a lot of guys really came with the expectation is they're going to do the minimum and hope to get the maximum out of OU, the experience, you know, being a ball player. And I'm like, bro, I gotta tell you, mm. our worst receiver is, is, is damn good. You know what I'm saying? Our yeah. worst linebacker was an all-state dude who, you know, was kicking behind in, in, in high school. Like, you're not going to come here and just out-athlete everybody. Unless your name's Adrian Peterson, which, by the way, he was the hardest worker on that team. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're not coming in as an Adrian Peterson, bro, like, you're never going to see the field. You're going to wash. Like, you're not going to make it. And so for a kid who's coming in, and, and obviously he's got leadership and coaching from someone who – who is uh, preparing him the right way and him to be on his visit and say, yo, I actually want to see a workout. And then for him to say, yo, it was hard, but I'm excited because I know it's going to help me get better. Barry, as much as the stars matter, as much as the tools matter, as much as the tangibles matter, that matters. That kid, there's a higher likelihood that he's going to get here and be willing to push himself harder than he was accustomed to in high school. And I'm excited for that caliber of kid to come. But but back to Beatenbow, this is a victory he needed. Uh, I'm excited for him. I think he's a plus coach, probably top 10 line coach in, in college football, arguably top five. I think it's time for him to get back to his calling card, which is leaning on people and, and pushing the pile and giving his, his running back seams. And then it makes it easier in the passing game. You get yourself uh, a Caden Green, and then obviously I'll transition to the Logan Howell. Logan Howland is, you you talk about feet. This kid, man, he, he's got some weight to gain. 
I think he's a phenomenal athlete for a right tackle. To me, he looks like he's a right tackle. Depends on if he can put on the weight and road, road grade. If he can't, then he he has the feet to be a left tackle. Uh, but he's a he's he's two things that I really love. He's an athlete, and you want athletes at O line. You do not want unathletic O linemen because they'll get beat with speed, or they'll just they'll, a D lineman will get them off their leverage. They'll get them off their base and literally just just beat them, um, get them off their hips. But man, he's a monster. Like he's six seven. Um, he's got a huge frame. I mean, the kid will probably put on thirty pounds, and you probably won't even see much of it. Yeah, uh, excited that you know it's again it's a very clear picture of what the 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 offensive line uh the the, the offensive scheme and what bv wants like you know what i'm saying like sometimes you see like wait a minute we got a kid he's six four and he's super pudgy okay and then we got this other kid he's six seven and he needs to gain 35 pounds okay and then we got this other kid he's six two and he's a stud but he's got short arms it's kind of like they're kind of just you know there isn't a real rhyme or reason Listen, Ben uh, uh, Logan Howland doesn't have the 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 most stars, but like when you watch the film, you click the film, you see like, got it. This kid puts on forty pounds. He's a right tackle, and he's a bookend. The kid, you know, if if he keeps his athleticism as he puts on weight, he could probably even play left. Like you see it. Caden Green's a left tackle all day and twice yeah. on Sunday. Yeah. Um. You know, so looking at some of these guys we we've got coming into the fold, I'm excited. I'm, I'm wearing crimson colored glasses and I'll proudly say it because I expect Oklahoma to kick some ass, but I, I'm also a realist and people who've seen, you know, the way that I communicated about the program, the last 10, 12, four, even when I was right out of plan, I'm telling the truth. And I am excited that I can see the direction we're headed. I think we're winning the battles we need to win and we just need to keep pushing forward. We need to ride this momentum. We need to go ahead and get the Smothers kid. We need to get the Hicks kid. There's 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 a couple more, uh, you know, large prizes out there that we need to get this momentum and allow it to uh, uh, roll us into leveraging those guys as well. I want to ask you, so we, we talked about Petaway. So he kind of got his his own show in our, in our last one. Uh, going a little more defense here. And we talked to yes, uh, about it yesterday on the IG Live. Shout out to the IG Live. It was actually really good. Nice interaction. That was fun, bro. That was fun. That was fun. That was fun. Yeah, so I hope I get the name right. I've gone to every single source that I possibly could. I want to give the, give the guy his respect. I believe it is PJ Adebawar, but I could be wrong on how that pronunciation, but I've asked i've tried to so if anybody knows for sure let us know um but out of north kansas city missouri 6-4-240 defensive end he's definitely got some feet plays really low i think we talked on the ig live you see him as a hand in the dirt guy um, putting on 20 to 30 pounds being that in a brent venables defense which is tends to be an, an attack-style defense. What do you think of him as kind of the model for who they're bringing in on the defensive line? Somebody who's only played football for, I believe, yeah. a couple years, not very long. Years, I believe, three years. <clears throat> three, yeah, two or three years, so not very long. What do you think? And four stars, but a lot of it's on his athleticism. He is freakishly athletic. I won't say freak. He's very, very athletic. And... There's a lot of potential there. What do you think about the vision of, of what they're trying to do on the defensive front and then why you take a guy like that and put their hand in the dirt? So for me, he's my favorite recruit. 
And by the way, I'm an offensive guy. I'm a receiver and running back and all that. You know, I love cues and all that stuff. PJ is my favorite recruit on the team thus far. To me, he has the highest ceiling on the team. The kid is raw, um, which means he's not going to have to break a lot of bad habits. Obviously, he's going to come in and produce. And it'll be interesting to see what happens his senior year when he focuses primarily on defense. Because I think he spent some time at tight end or, you know, yeah. he played offense and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but football is a game of suddenness and explosion. Like he has it like a skill guy. And, you know, the name that I brought up last night and I, he's not as big as this, but he I don't know. He just gives me uh, he he. You know, I don't even, I'm just saying like when I see him, you know, I'm seeing a Tar Heel who played basketball and football and then said, you know what, I'm going to hang up the, the the basketball shoes. I'm going to hang up my Air Jordans. I'm going to put on these Nike cleats. And he came out the same year as Roy Lee and he got the he got the rookie of the year over Roy. Like when I Ooh. see PJ, I see that ceiling. I mean, I played against him and, and I remember we ran a... Gosh, we ran X, we ran, what would we run? We ran ace flip, H bubble left. Or we called it, what do we call that? Lisa. Lisa meant left bubble. And uh I I take by the way, it's to me. So I take my jab step to freeze the backer and I and I'm and I'm getting space. And there's a little technique we did to kind of get the ball or to run to until the ball came. And when I tell you he mid it, he's at the weak side DN. This is 2001, so it's not hype. It's hype. It's Hibble. Uh, Hibble gets the ball. He looks to the opposite direction. He looks to the right just to kind of whatever. And then the uh, our left tackle, I think, is Frank Romero. Frank's job is just to get him on the ground. So Frank cuts him. Well, when he cuts him, Frank doesn't – I mean, um, he doesn't he, – he doesn't hit the ground. He literally is such a good athlete, he – he uh, he spreads his feet out. He does like a star man and his hands, his hands and feet are the only thing on the ground. And he immediately pops up like it's a burpee. Jeez. He pops up fast enough to mitt the ball and beats everybody to the end zone. Like that's there aren't a lot of DNs who can do that. Like that's not that's not something that is just growing on trees. You see once a class like that's a special, special, special talent. And PJ has that style of uh, ability, you know, if he continues to work and and get better. And so, you know, when you look at that kid, you know, oh, space or uh, hand the ground. Listen, when when you put a guy in space and they're in a position where they have a lot more responsibility and, you know, they don't really just focus on beating half a tackle. Or, or you know, splitting the 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 B gap between the tackle guard area. It, it's just more to think about. There's you got. Do I got the flats or or, or or you know, am am I doing some type of game? When you're a weak side DN, and you know you're going against that left tackle, and especially when you're a better athlete than him, especially. And they just have to either put a, t- a tight end over there, or they got to keep the running back on that side. It's different. And for a kid like him who has that ability to, he could play, by the way, he could play some like a spinner or like a joker or whatever, a jet, whatever they want to call it, where he's got, he's in a two point and he can come, you know, he can shoot gaps, but to have him as a bookend and for three years, 
the other opposing team knows he's coming off that edge and he's coming to split that tackle in half and he's going to beat that strong arm or beat that weak arm and get him out of his hip or make him overreach up the field and then come underneath and rip or he's going to duck inside and then he's going to club and go over the top or go, you know, shoot the edge. That, the, the hand in the ground, I don't know. That's that's the second highest paid position in the NFL. Yeah. Right? The guy playing in space and and – you know, like the old, uh, what's the guy's name who played for the uh, Cowboys 10 years ago? Stud. He he was kind of the outside backer who, would, who was really just rushing the quarterback. He actually looked uh, like Worley a lot. Um, God, I can't be off the guy's name. If the guys listening to the show know who I'm talking about. But, uh, you know, that position is, in today's age, it's more interchangeable. Defenses or defensive coordinators are finding two, three, four guys who are 6'2, 245 pounds, can run a four, five, eight, 40, and they can play that position. You've got a 6'4, 274 pound, 282 pound guy who's a plus athlete who's lined up against that left tackle saying, Hey, dude, you're not a good enough athlete. And the offense knows it. They got to change their whole scheme, they got to change all their protection. Like that, we I, I can't remember the last time we had a PJ. Like I I I I I don't know. I couldn't tell you, but we've had an oboe and we've had a striker, right? And we've had like we've had edge two two-point stand guys who were like a quasi backer, quasi DN, and those guys did well. And by the way, oboe's playing in the league, and we, you know, some of those guys are doing the thing, but like when's the last time we had a D end that on any given play, he could kick the quarter or kick his left tackles behind and go get the quarterback, or he could shorten the porch and just extend on that tackle in the run game and 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 throw him off and make a tackle. Like if PJ brings that to the fold, it's a, it's an element in the defense. I can't remember if somebody can if somebody can tell me and I'm mistaken. I can't remember the last time we had a guy like that. Like you know, uh, what's the what's the what's the kid we had late? late 2000s white kid he was a stud he got um, hurt oh he was a stud he he was a sack artist he was a he was the last week's idea that i remember who was english? like english austin, austin english, english yeah. beast. beast like austin english. think about how big he was he's a yeah austin english was 6'4 265 he was a big kid so pj is going to bring an element that i'm excited about and just dn is a high value position you get a lot of value out of that position um, if you get the stud. Well, and it's so interesting too, just how much schematically, like the the edge rusher that OU fans have become accustomed to in the past, I would say five to six, go back almost a decade now, your Eric Stryker types and your oboe types, when they got into games against where the competition really ramped up and guys they had enough talent those teams had enough talent to win one-on-ones across the board they would just run away from those guys they would they would just go the other direction as opposed to a situation where you got a guy who can put his hand in the dirt be guys he eats up space like crazy when you watch his film five yards is literally nothing to to him his closing speed is really good uh, some of the some of the tackles he had the the way he gets out and extends he can really open up his hips so he's a guy who the, he wraps up all, all of those things when you talk about football players but the value that you bring to a team 
when you have guys across the line who can just whip somebody. So there is no scheme. There's no way to, we're going to run away from this guy. We're going to run away. He just wrecks the game. You guys obviously had it with the, your Tommy Harris's and your Dan Cody's and guys like that where, yes, you could run you know, the, the, to this side, but Jimmy Wilkerson's on the other side. Like, well, what are you going to do? Yeah, I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you when when we played against North Carolina and 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 you and you got Julius Peppers just like, you know, he's hawking on that on that side of the ball. You there's certain plays you're like we ain't running it. Like trust me when I tell you we didn't run the bubble again. You know, wow. like everybody did their job perfect. Frank got him down. It wasn't like he you know he Frank cut him and he just he he went spread eagle he spread his arms spread his legs and he bounced right back up and then caught the ball and then ran for like a 40 yard by the way it's on film it's yeah. probably on his highlight tape from Kyle. I bet you it's on his <laughs> yeah I, I, rem- I, I remember seeing it <laughs> I'm sure it's on his highlight tape and so when you see a J Pep and you get a PJ who's a kid who has that type of talent you know obviously he's got to put in the work obviously he's got a long way to go you know, but remember, Pep was a part-time ball player, a part-time football player for two years. It isn't like he was sold out. He he was playing basketball first two years in college. But um, here's the thing, um, Barry, is it feels good to be back to getting that caliber of player again. I feel like in the past, we couldn't even get a DN, so we would just go after the six one and a half, two 232-pound, you know, uh, 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 the the outside backer, which by the way, we need three of those too, right? We need Clayton to to to, to level up the kid who's from uh, the five star from two cycles ago. We we need that caliber yeah. of guy coming off as a as now he needs to be in a two point stance. But I'm just telling you, you put PJ like you said. There's no scheming out of that. That guy is lined up outside shade left tackle. You know what I'm saying? And on third and one or first and 10, first quarter, third quarter, he doesn't have responsibility 95% of the time where he's in the flats and he's trying to think too much. He just gets to dominate. And that's why that position is the second highest paid position in the league, unless you're an Aaron Donald or a guy like that. So, yeah, 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 yeah. excited about him. Very high ceiling. I think the one thing that stands out the most, and I can't remember if I said that on, on our last recruiting pod, is it feels like they are recruiting the guys that they want. It felt so often that under under the previous regime, especially with defensive talent, you're like going after this corner, this corner, you know, drags you along for five, six months. You're pretty sure you got them and then flips to Texas or flips to Alabama or, or whatever case. And then you're stuck not necessarily stuck, but well, some cases stuck going with your second, third, maybe even fourth option, even though some of these guys are your three stars, you know, God forbid a two star every now and then. And they got some, they're, they're a little heavier to this staff on the preferred walk on circuit that it really seems like they're reaching out to guys who I wouldn't say they have more potential than the other guys, but it's almost like they're prioritizing that piece of the equation because those guys are so important uh, to the program anyways. But it feels like they're making an evaluation. They, It's, a, it's a, an athlete that obviously they're building the relationship, but that's who they want. And they know what they are going to do with him. It is not... 
you know, uh, you got to make a choice three days before signing day because two of them just decommitted. I want to ask you, I, and I personally don't think it matters, especially in the first year under this staff, but the, the fans will definitely want to know. Right now, I think Rivals has OU sitting at like 16th. Where do you think, and if at all it matters, where do you think OU finishes with some of the guys left out there um, in the recruiting rankings? Uh, you know, we're a top 10 school when we're hot and winning and 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 the the program's flashy and you got ADs and Tommy Harris's and Mark Clayton's all, you know, at the same time, we we can we can go be a number one, number two, number three class in America. But I don't think we should settle for being a class that, you know, obviously is 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 um, far outside of the top 10 or 12. But I don't think um, BV coach is paying attention to stars like Link did. And again, I say that because I, I look at the young kid we got from Nebraska and I get it. People are complaining. Guys, that kid is a freaking animal. Right. I look at the, the 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 center type that we got in Colorado. Like I see the translation. Um, here's the part, though. I, I believe Clemson won their first natty with uh, one of their recruiting classes. And that that team was like 16 or 19 or something like they were they were high up there. It wasn't like a top 10 class. And I know uh, recruiting translates to natties. The the, the correspondence is, is glaring. You can't argue against it. You can't argue against it. Um, but I also know that Brent is, to your point, Brent's not going to go say Oklahoma is going to dangle, you know, uh, 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 the, the Crimson and Cream to the top, top, top players that he doesn't necessarily have a two, three, four relationship with year one, year two. So I think he's doing it the right way. He's going in and saying, OK, I think last year we finished 11 or 10. We, I think we may have finished 10 or nine, which is a shout to him because Lord knows uh, Link tried to take everything he could on the way out. Uh, but I think BV is like, we're going to build relationships with the eighth, ninth and 10th graders. And in the meantime, we're going to go find football players, because if you ask him, he's not going to just purposely not take the top players. He just is smart enough to know and to have a clear enough yeah. vision and a solidified plan to say, okay, we may not be there this year. OU's brand is good enough to compete, especially if we're winning and winning in a way where, you know, the, the networks are, are, you know, talking about us. Listen, in 2003, it was an open dialogue that that team was the best team ever Ooh. before they lost to K-State and they got smacked by <laughs> those boys in uh, Kansas City. But imagine yeah. like what like OU's brand in 03, Bob essentially could go into any living room in America. He would say, hey, I wouldn't say saban S because Saban is doing it at another level. But like we were at that level where we could go get any kid we want. Right. I think we had three or four, four in, in 80s class. I believe we had like four, four, five stars. Right. We had the number one quarterback, the number one player in 80. I mean, like yeah. that class was stacked. And I think BV wants to get back there because you see the Clemson three, four years ago when D Watson and those boys were there, they were going and competing and beating Bama and recruiting. They were going into the living rooms. And I think the sole mission that now we're seeing that that OU is implementing was a big part of that, the culture, a big part of that, right? The stability, right? The, uh, you know, some people, 
shy away from it, but let's just be honest, like just the, the spirituality, the open spirituality and talking about their, their spiritual beliefs. I think there's a certain attraction to a, a certain type of family and demographic that they like it. BV knows what he's doing. He absolutely knows what he's doing. And the kids we are, I don't want to use settling for, but strategically recruiting this year may not be what he's recruiting in two years, but I see how these kids today, uh, which by the way, studs bar none, I'm sure he'd tell you that these are the kids they want. I don't think he's saying we're going to go take sloppy seconds or these are leftovers, but I wouldn't be surprised, Barry, if in 2024, I'd say by 2024, OU's top three to five, because the brand and, 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 how we are seen on, on, you know, from the untrained eye and the viewers and the networks, Brent's on his way to making sure OU's back at that, that level that we've just been missing the last, you know, 12 years. Link can, even with the classes, Link was getting quarterbacks and receivers, respect. But Link didn't have elite recruiters on the defensive side of the ball. We didn't, we didn't consistently close on the top, 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 top five-star alignment, O-line or D-line. We didn't consistently do it even with Link. And I think part of that comes into play in like, okay, you've got a, um, a video game offense, but the culture's kind of like, by the way, you heard Scissorhands even said it. Like he wasn't even in the locker room and he saw, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. people sense that, people smell that, people see that. And they're going to see the opposite with Coach BV. And those parents, those families, they're going to be like, you know what? I got faith. I actually trust that this is going to be the best. Because think about it. Your son's five-star. Barry, your son's a five-star. You're going to send your son to the school that gives them the highest probability of making it to the NFL and the highest probability to get through school without some major screw-up. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, yeah. The education piece is important and obviously the major is important, but like when I have a five-star kid, I need to go. I'm I'm not going to send my kid to Cal. I'm just not like, I'm just UC Berkeley Cal. Like I'm not, I'm not sending my son to Cal. If he's a, if he's a five-star receiver, I'm just not doing it. Um, but I'm also probably not sending my son to Oregon. Because there's always some scandal, some shady, some this, some drugs, oh, some oh. that, right? Like Oregon just, and, and by the way, let's say my son's a four-star and he's a five, you know, like a mid-range four-star kid and Oregon's one of his better options, I, I would highly consider it. But if I have Oregon or Bama, right? If I have Oregon or Clemson, like the pedigree mm-hmm. and the culture at a place where you don't consistently hear about shenanigans happening and you see these kids consistently going to the league and you see yes, sir, no, sir. And, you know, like those are just residual impact that just make all the difference. So I, if I know Coach BV, that's what he's solving for. He's solving for if Dendy's two years younger and um, Coach Bates has the opportunity to build a genuine relationship and just be the man who he is. And Chavis and the rest of these guys, at the dindies of the world will just come to OU. I mean, let, let alone he's a legacy and all this other stuff. And obviously he ended up he ended up in the in the in the in the the weird cult. Um, God bless his soul. God bless his soul. But my point is that's what that's what BV solving for. There's gonna be a dindy in two years, and that kid's it's not gonna be 
us trying to be a snake oil salesman, like a link would have to do with Lambos and Ferraris and right all this glitz and glam, BV is going to be saying, man, welcome to the house. Take your shoes off. Appreciate it. We're going to have grace real quick. Um, Yeah, man, this is just, this is just how we do it. And families are going to be attracted to that. I want to ask you to what extent is then we'll get into this a little bit too, kind of a good transition. To what extent is the SEC um, a selling point or the ability to play in the SEC? Is that as important of a recruiting pitch or strategy? Is that something that's even being discussed? You know, AM, when they got into the SEC, they just ran that thing into the ground because obviously at a program like that, they don't win national championships. They don't have that tradition and that success at that level that OU does to lean on. Um, we know the transition is, is coming at some point. To what extent is that even a discussion this year with those guys, and particularly maybe with families in terms of travel and all these kind of logistical things you have to think about? Um, do you think that that is a, a major piece, or are we just not quite there yet? It's important. It's important because you recruit a kid in 23, let's say they registered in 24. That means their registered freshman year is 25, right? So they're going to play them. Every kid from this class on will play the majority of their football unless they're a three and done guy in the SEC. So it's important. Um, it's also marketing. Like we, 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 you know, it is what it is. We, we gotta be honest with ourselves. The SEC produces the most pro athletes, the most D linemen, the most O linemen. They're they're getting to the position now, or basically every position. The Big Ten, I think, is still like really close with the O line department and some of the other tight ends stuff like that. But like when with that transition, we need to own that and we need to market it. It's not about ego. It's not about, you know, you know, I, I'm a big 12 guy. I came into the big 12 and it was like, holy crap, the big 12 soft. It just is. Right. And, and the Texas A&Ms of the world, like you said, they took advantage of it. By the way, they use that to gain a bunch of separation between A&M and Texas. Like, here's the thing. Texas A&M was a six and five, seven and four, maybe eight and three caliber team their last decade in the big 12. Like they were nobody. Like we literally went to a knee for an entire quarter so that we didn't see if the scoreboard could do a one zero zero. Like that literally happened. Like it literally happened. And so they literally changed uniforms like three times in five years. Like, bro, you are not a blue blood. If one year you got pilot wings and the next year you got stripes and the next wing you get next year, you got one stripe. And the next year you're kind of a different burgundy. Like you guys look like, you know what I'm saying? You're tech. You're tech west or whatever. So, um, no, <laughs> they just, I mean, I just, I just, I, I just, if you look at their uniforms and like a, over the span of like five years, it was like totally different three times. They've and changed. Like, yeah. And then That's not, but, but if you notice, they've gone back traditional. They're like, nope, yeah. we're a blue butt again. So we're going back to tra- like, nah, bro. Johnny yep. football had a different uniform and McNeil and those guys had a different uniform. And then the wrecking crew that we played against had a different uniform and nah. So um, I think the SEC has a impact and we need to embrace it. I think they are talking about it now. Um, listen, for families that have a hunger for football, it's better matchups, it's better road trips, it's better home games, right? It's 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 better, it's more marketability for 
uh, football um, games that are going to be on the networks, right? CBS. I don't know if the CBS contract will still be in place, but definitely ESPN marquee games, more night games. Yeah, there's a lot of impact that we need to leverage. Now, we're not going to just fawn over them and say the SEC is going to say like like that whole SEC. Like we just want someone to win. Like I hate that. What do you mean someone to win? You kidding me? I vote for OU and everybody else can kiss it. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's how we roll. But yeah, I hope they're leveraging it. I imagine they will. And when you just think about it, a kid, a kid, a kid commits in November, in uh, February of 2023, they sign or December or February, they sign a letter of intent. That means June of 2023, they're on campus. So they've got the 23 season. Let's say they redshirt. Let's say this new commissioner, I don't know if you saw it, but he's open to negotiating yeah. about an early release. They're redshirt freshman year in, in 24. They're in the SEC, or at the latest, their third year in college, they're in the SEC. So, yeah, it, it's a big deal this year, especially the 2024 kids and everyone else. You got to just 100% commit to we're an SEC team by the time you're talking to those kids. When do you think that SEC switch likely happens? Because the buyout is the or the the contract is through what, 2025 or Five. six? Five. 25. 25. Okay. So do you think it potentially happens after it's obviously not happening this year? Thank you all so much for tuning in to today's podcast. Please go leave us a five-star rating and review. Help us grow the show. Follow the Instagram at the Barry and Mac show. Our Twitter is at Barry and Mac SHW. Thank you so much for the support. We are out. <laughs>